Glossolalia, the tongues, a gift of tongues. Uh, glossio is just simply means tongues, translated, and it, it has to do with verbalized language. And lalia it simply means translated uh, chatter, a chattering. And the, the uh, hidden connotation there is it's like fire. Now, we're not talking about, of course, literal fire, but spiritual fire. It, uh, w- when you speak in a gift of tongues, it's going to be a fiery experience to your inner self. The uh, first mention of it was found in the book of Genesis. It's the law of first mention. And when that happens to you, then similar following concurrences will take on that same form. It may take on a little bit of different uh, aspects of it, but it'll, it'll still have to do with the language. And there we saw, if you read the book of Genesis, uh, that the language there is separated the people. It was because of the language that they, they got separated. And can I tell you, that still happens today. Still happens today. When you start talking about tongues, it's a separating subject. People have definite thoughts about it. My personal opinion is that much of it is founded on ignorance and stubbornness because it's a gift of tongues, and parenthetically, it's a gift from God of tongues, and God doesn't give any bad stuff. So if you think about it that way, it, it'll be a, a blessing to you. But it did. It separated them, and it separates today. Everything, every uh, fellowship except the Pentecostal fellowships re- refuse to embrace tongues. And some of them, just like the, uh, the, the Baptist, their heritage, and I'm just inserting this, their heritage came from the Anabaptist, and part of that doctrine was a gift of tongues. So when, when the Baptists say they don't embrace it or don't teach it or don't believe in it, they're violating their own roots. In Isaiah 28, the Holy Spirit writes through Isaiah, he said, With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Now that's a contemporary term. It's an inclusive term. And it, it has an immediate thought that somewhere in the future God has a thing about tongues that he's going to manifest. In Isaiah, it goes on to say that this is the rest wherewith he calls the rest, the weary to rest. This is the rest which causes the weary to rest. Now you got two, you have two rests there. It says, this is the rest, that rest there, it says find a, a resting a repose place. And then the second rest where it says, cause the weary to rest, in the uh, Hebrew there, its connotation is to stay fixed or a place to dwell. Now, of course, they couldn't fully understand that because it was a much later prophecy to be fulfilled. But they started getting the, uh, the entrance to it in their, uh, in their souls. In Acts 2, It says in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as a mighty rushing wind. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them. When Pentecost was fully come, first century fulfilling centuries of old Pentecost experience going back to when they came out of Egypt, Israel, and on the Mount of Olives began the first Pentecost, and thereafter they had experienced that. But it says here, when it was fully come, certain things were going to happen. On the Mount of Olives, uh, not the Mount of Olives, but the Mount of Sinai, things happened there. They had a, a tongue, they had fire, they had a message from God. So when the, the Pentecost was fully come, there was a sound from heaven, Acts 2 says. That was a unilateral sound from heaven, coming only from heaven down to men. And he says there were cloven tongues. That means a channel of distribution to share. Every man heard them speak in his own language. There were a number of people gathered in Jerusalem for the feast. And then God manifests this special gift opportunity to them. And when it was manifesting through the different people, those who were observing said, we hear them speaking in our own language. So there were multiple languages being spoken. And what a what a tremendous witness for the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, tongues, according to 1 Corinthians 14, are for a sign, an indicator, something to point, something can follow. And it says it's not for them that believe, but it's for them that also to them that believe not. So when tongues occur, especially in an open assembly, not all the believers display the gift. God doesn't give everybody everything. He portions it out. So not all the but not all the believers present display the gift. There are diverse methods of doing that. Different people have different methodologies. People's natural speak pattern come into play when, when they give a message in tongues. Their dialects come into play. People just as people now in the in the United States. When people here speak, they have a. Some of them have a northeastern twang to them. Some others have a northwestern twang to them. There's a southwestern emphasis, southeastern uh, way of speaking, a central part of the country way of speaking. So there, there are different methodologies, and it's and yet the people people's natural speech patterns are used by the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't speak of Elizabethan English. The believer's emotions vary. Some people get very excited and shout when they're giving a message. Others speak very demurely when giving a message. There's variations of way to do it, and they can be perfectly in harmony. But Because God says, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. When we recognize that it's a gift from God, it's up to the leadership to make sure that the, the gifts are displayed and utilized wisely. Now, they don't tell people when to do it and how to do it. They just evaluate the gift after it's been given. They make an evaluation, and sometimes it's difficult to tell. It can be very close whether it's over the line or under the line. People can give 
partial tongues and then they can drift over into their own thoughts. I, I myself have done that. I was doing it in pastoring one time. I was giving a message uh, in to the people in tongues and th this was an immature church and nobody interpreted so I interpreted myself and when I got to that portion God told me, he says, now you tell them from here on, that was your words and not mine. When I did that, I think not only did the people enjoy hearing that, but I think that they gained additional understanding. You see, no, no tongue message is valid if it contradicts Scripture. It has to be in harmony overall with the scriptural message. It cannot demean or lower Jesus Christ's position. It cannot indicate that he was accursed or that his words were invalid. It has to declare that in, in some interest, it doesn't have to necessarily depict it verbally, but it has to indicate and be or bear a witness that Jesus is, is Lord. That's one of the tests in the life, you know, when you can test the demonic against the spiritual. Just say, is Jesus Christ Lord? And if it's a true spiritual happening, they, they, they'll never be able to say, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. The old covenant saints did not grasp that rest and, and the tongues that were being prophesied faintly to them. The, the tongue message, they didn't grasp the, the magnitude of what was coming in a tongue message. But the new covenant saints we are the ones who can be recipients and, and operate in this. In Matthew 7, it says it has to be requested. It says there, ask and it shall be given. And he goes on to say, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? And as I preface this, the gift of tongues is a good gift. God only can give this gift. And if it's right, it's a message from God to the people. So when the church is in assembly, it says every one of you has some things to contribute. Now that's my word. It says every one of you hath, says you hath a psalm. So embedded in a corporate worship, somebody should Exercise a psalm. Now that just simply means a word of praise, uh, of exhortation, or it could be a warning, a, a divinely uh, inferred warning. It says, "Every one of you hath a, a doctrine." Doctrine there just simply means a thought on a on a subject, a spiritual thought on a topic or or a person. It could have to do. It has a wide range of things. It's a doctrine, doctrinal thought. He said, every one of you has a tongue. That means a message from God. Now, when it says every one of you, obviously not everybody in the congregation has the gift of tongues to be spoken. It's a language not learned by the person. So not everyone there has that. And even though they might be encouraged to ask for it, God is not bound to give that to them because he's looking for diversity. Now, that's my thought, not God's. And it says, every one of you hath a revelation. There again, not everybody's going to have a revelation. That just simply means a disclosure. But it can be manifest even more 
than could the message in tongues because a revelation there is, is what God is thinking on a subject, what his immediate thoughts are on a particular subject. How does how should that you as in that corporate body act? How what should be your thoughts and your actions concerning maybe contemporary events or events of the day or something is going on and God wants to let that that fellowship know what his thoughts are as to how they ought to be obedient and address that or not address that. And he says the revelation could be a part of the future or individual glory of the saints. God could encourage people as about what he has in store. For his people in the future, and he can do that through the gift of tongues. Another part of someone will have an interpretation. Of course, it could be the interpretation of the tongue, but it also could be expounding on the message that was given. So just because a tongue is given, then it could be another tongue to explain that, or it could kick over into a prophetic word, thus saith the Lord, and that would explain it. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, makes sure because he says, let all things be done unto edifying. Edifying there is just like an architecture building a structure. It's here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. It says, let all things be done to edifying, a building process to confirm what you already know or have a question about. Is this true as a people or as a uh, an individual? To expand the thought. Sometimes we don't get everything from God. We just get a warning or a, or a thought or a, or a precept. And then their uh, tongue can expand on that. But it says in the, in the church assembly, tongues can be, it can be a, a prayer. It could be in the form of a quiet reaching out to God prayer. It could be sung by the individual. It, it could be, or as most of the cases, it could be a language. Now, my personal opinion, because I've been present, and, and now this is my opinion, I, uh, only because I, I've seen this happen, the congregation may sing in unison and yet separate. And that's not a contradiction. Now, I've heard a, a very learned person, not he's with the Lord now, and I agree with much of what he said, but he, he had disagreed that this was valid, but I disagree with his disagreement because I've witnessed this, where a congregation would, maybe one person would start in tongues just singing unto the Lord, and then another one across the congregation would start singing to the Lord. And one by one, it would start. Now, these people are not singing for corporate singing. They are singing individually, and yet God is blending them. And when I've heard this done, it was glorious. It was beautiful harmony. Some were singing in all the ranges of diction. And, and yet... They were not singing to be a corporate song. They were singing in individual harmony as unto the Lord. And it was absolutely beautiful. Now, some would say, that, as I said, that, that gentleman I was speaking about, he would say that that was out of order. But it, it says uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, and this is my thought, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. That means if you want to be Ill, willfully ignorant, of anything that God wants to do, he'll let you be ignorant. 
So if you want to be ignorant, willfully ignorant, now God will deal with ignorant people. He'll have patience with ignorant people. But he and I don't have a much of patience with people who are willfully ignorant. Those people are just unteachable. So they're just not exercising their mind, nor are they witnessing what the Spirit is doing. Benefits of having the gift of tongues can include that the one speaking that is be receiving the blessing. As a matter of fact, when, when a person is through delivering a message in tongues, the apprehension that was there in them, especially if you're a, a pun who hasn't done that before or for a few, but for a few times, there's a real apprehension. There's a, a nervousness and a, an uneasiness in your stomach and you start speaking. But after you've been obedient, and you've given that message, oh, what a blessed feeling it is. There's a spiritual euphoria that sweeps over that one delivering that tongue. That is a heavenly blessing. And there's just, as I said, a beautiful euphoria that rests upon and in that person. And the church receives a a now word from the Lord and also in the form of a blessing. The, the church is going to be blessed because they're getting something that is right out of the mouth of God being spoken through a human vessel. And the unsaved person who is there will receive a positive witness of the validity and the truth of the message. I've heard people say that, oh, if, if a message is given, it's going to scare the people away. No, it won't. If a person is a real person seeking truth, they will be edified there. They will receive a heavenly witness that this is of God. And, and instead of being repulsed they'll be and repelled, they'll be drawn to learn more and to seek more in this thought. So no, it's not going to scare anybody off and drive them away. It's going to draw near to a person and, and cause them to be a desire to seek more about what was that? Why was that? And that can happen to a person who's been in churches for years and years and never been taught this. But when they get in, exposed to it and they start seeking it, God will turn heaven and earth to make it real to them. Now, there's another type of tongue message, which is covered in Acts 1, where it says, Ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then it goes on to explain why. And it says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This witness here is one who is so committed to God that, that they will be a martyr for God. One who's willing to lay down their life. They won't care what people think. They're just being obedient because if someone rejected, they'll realize that they're not rejecting the person. They're re rejecting God. And let me give this to you. When, when you learn to not worry about what men are going to say about you and being obedient to men and start worrying about what God is going to think about you and being obedient to God, oh, you, you'll enjoy your your witnessing for the Holy Spirit, and you'll do that wherever you are. Because both in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts, because your environment will expand. Maybe it'll start with your family or your church family, and pretty soon you'll maybe be in another environment, and uh, and your tongue message will kick in. Now, you have to use a lot of discretion here. Because it's better to speak in, in your language in certain cases than in tongues. But uh, 
there may be occasion for you to do that. And the, uh, all of these things, you know, the uh, receiving the power and, and being the witness, these can happen at the same time. And it can be where the individual is functioning. That's why we have to be in east, instant in season and out of season to working with the Holy Spirit and quote unquote being obedient. The individual asking will receive their prayer language. Now, it says if they ask, they shall receive. Now, according to God, they want, he wants to give it to them right then as soon as they ask. But sometimes the person, in the case of some people, they're so like fruit on the vine. They're so ready that, that God can just pluck them off and they can, they can start almost fluidly. Other people start hesitatingly and grow. Some people have to wait and tarry for a while. It shouldn't have to because only a saved person can display this. If anybody that's not unsaved, and devil has a false tongue, but only a, a saved person can ask God for this and, and God consider giving it to them and when to give it to them. So the individual asking sometime might have to wait, but keep on asking. And this can manifest with uh, different kinds of unknown language. So you, you could have been speaking in tongues for years and years and years. The fact is, I had been speaking in tongues for a long, long time. And suddenly one time I went to my prayer closet expecting to hear the same sound come out of me that had come out before. And all of a sudden it was a different dialect. And as I was speaking, I thought, this is, I was thinking in my mind, this is so strange. Is this of God? I'm wondering if I'm missing God, but yet I had that inward witness. Yes, this is the Holy Spirit. So there's different languages. And because there's a word in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels. So sometime we'll speak with angels' language, which we've never learned. And sometime we'll speak with men's language that we never learned. If, if we as North Americans start speaking in tongues and it doesn't sound right to us, which it won't, uh, it, it could be maybe somebody in, in Africa or somebody in Asia or the Far East or, or maybe in another country that, uh, that has a different kind of language than we do. So uh, we, we, we want to be flexible with the Lord. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. In the Spirit, means in his human spirit, not the Holy Spirit, he speaketh mysteries, and he edifies himself. If you want to edify yourself, build yourself up, speak in tongues. He receives confirmation on a question, so it's been plaguing him. He gets instructions on events that's coming up in his life. He can receive supernatural strength for his for his journey. Sometimes you speak in tongues and and you can be depleted in your spirit, but you start speaking in tongues and you'll become edified. This personal tongue can be applied wherever and whenever the individual desires. That's a wonderful concept. 
You can do this anytime. It's just there available. It's comforting to know that uh, the Apostle Paul had a wonderful witness about this because he said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, that's a prayer life in tongues. And he really needed that because I can't think of anybody, new or old covenant, who had to endure the things that Paul had to endure, the physical beatings, the mental strain, the fighting against the church sometime, or fighting certainly against the political corruption of the day, and the uh, the the people who were uh, just hated his his message, but to, for him to say, "I speak with tongues more than you all," that's really a wonderful example to us to, of encouragement. Now there are other examples if we want to show validification of the scriptures found in scriptures of tongues being utilized in Acts chapter eight. This is where Paul, or Peter, and John rather went to Samaria to assist Philip when he was there. And one of the congregants there, Simon, offered money for the gift. He wanted to pervert the gift and make usury out of it. And Peter told him, he said, Thou heart is not right with God. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. And the word matter there has to do with uh, verbalization, a tongue a message in tongues, a verbalization. And then in Acts 11, Peter again relates uh, the word matter of Joppa to the other apostles. He, in other words, he this matter there is that he is expounding on what happened in Joppa to them. And it, it just says that he was elaborating verbally to them the happening there. That's just uh, basically what tongues are. In Acts 10, another example, Peter with Cornelius observed that God had poured out his spirit upon the Gentiles. He said, for they heard them speak with tongues and glorify God. Another evidence of tongues. We're looking, we're just proving the mouth of two or three of things established. In Acts 19, Paul at Ephesus asked, have you received the Holy Spirit when you sent, actually, since it means when you believed. And when they said they had not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, he, Paul said he, he baptized them and, and he gives uh, some benefits. He laid his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake with tongues. Clearly says they spake with tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, there again, what I preface this with, Paul says, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. More than you all. That's depending upon God. Conclusion of the matter of, uh, of the gift of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, The things that I, have, that I write to you are the commandments of God. Or the commandments of the Lord, I think he uses there. Brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Of course, we don't overdo tongues, and some people try to, to do that, and they look ridiculous. No, with verbal, easy-to-be-understood words, we're going to sway more people, but there's a time when tongues will be utilized, and it will make a wonderful impact. 
And here again, Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 14, if I come unto you, and this is kind of elaborating what I just said, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, that means an unlearned language, what shall I profit you except ye shall I shall speak either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by teaching? Exegesis, verbally, absolutely. That's wonderful. But not do not forbid tongues in corporate worship or in your private prayer uh, place. And every Christian, to my knowledge, is very guilty of not using the tongue message in their prayer closet. And I hate to say it, but I'm guilty also. I don't pray in tongues nearly as much as I should. But um, I and you and we are missing so much of God by not using our prayer closet tongue to just gain word of God for now in edification and building up and encouragement. And if you, God has given you that message and it's in, it's in proper sequence, now we don't want to go into a place, say if we're visiting in a Baptist church and they're not spirit-filled Baptist church, then it would be out of order for you to stand up and try to give a message in tongue. That That's not being decently in order. You fellowship with them, but then if you're in a, in a, a Pentecostal assembly, there again you have to be careful because to, to really feel free to give a message in tongues, the people have to know you. They have to be able to judge your life as well as your tongue, mainly the tongue, but they have to be able to know are you a valid person or not. And it says, Paul says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. I covered that a while ago. So make a, make a choice not to be willfully ignorant in the gifts of God and the things of God. The more you utilize of God, the more God can use you in additional things and expand on what you are. Let me say a word here to the ministers who may be listening to this CD. To you, I say, you don't have to accept this. If you're not practicing and you're not a Pentecostal and you have a, an aversion a to this message, yeah, that's your right, the gift of tongues. God's not going to force you to do that, but it's clearly in the Scriptures. And as a pastor, you're obligated to teach the Scripture. I know a young minister who preach, who's been preaching in one, one book for a long, long, many, many months, and that's not right. We need to preach the whole Word of God. So if you're a pastor and you don't accept this, that's your right, but you're a pastor. If you don't like the gift of tongues... You don't have to do it yourself, but you will be held accountable for not offering it to your flock. God's going to hold you accountable, Pastor. If you don't teach 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you can, you can teach John three sixteen all you want to, but you've got to teach the rest of the Bible. You might not believe in it, but God doesn't need you to believe in it. If you teach it, then God can use that teaching to, to minister to the people. 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 40, says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently means attractively, gracefully, and in order means official with official dignity, not some comic show. Arrangement uh, in a rank. It should be 
positive and this authoritative message. It should fit into what God is doing in the church and in the assembly. And it has to have character to it. If you say, well, I don't understand what character is. Well, let me, let me tell you what character in the scriptures is because it's what God can give you as character. If you, if, if, I'm going to talk about some things, and if they're not in your life, then you have a partial problem with character. Because it says in Galatians 5 that the fruits of the Spirit, that just simply means manifesting what's inside of you out of your life and out of your verbiage, is love. That means a, a, a affections or a benevolence. There's different kinds of love, but this just means, you, are you an affectionate person or a benevolent person? Are you, do you look out for your four and you and your four no more? That means love. Joy, I mean, just simple. Do you have a cheerful countenance? I don't care what's going on in your life. Well, I really do, sir. I don't mean to say it that way, harshly, but you, you can be cheerful in spite of the problems in your life. You can give joy to the Lord and to other people. And if somebody, you know, there's a way to share with people who will understand. If you're fighting a problem, there's, there's provisions for that. But basically, be a joyful person. Have a cheerfulness in your soul. Peace. That means rest in prosperity. If you're, being, if you're alive and God is feeding you with clothing and housing and food, uh, you're blessed. You have prosperity. Prosperity is not built upon your wallet or your bank account or your position. Prosperity, peace, that's just peace in your soul. How many people would love to have peace in their soul? There are people with five and six and seven, eight-figure bank accounts that would love to have peace in their soul. They don't have it. It says, long-suffering has the power to avenge, but refrains from it. That's hard to do sometimes, but the more you walk in the, the fruits of the Spirit, you can be long-suffering. Sometimes it has to be built upon. You'll miss God sometime, but the more you do, or long-suffering, in other words, in southern terms, which I, where I am, don't be so thin-skinned. A lot of things aren't meant for you personally. You don't always, you're not always right. You don't always have a right to share your opinion with somebody. Gentleness, a person's words and countenance. Do you have a countenance, a pleasing, pleasant gentleness emanating from the aura of you? We should. These are things we should, if we don't have much of this, we should seek it. Goodness, unilateral blessings. Just knowing that the good things in your life came from God. Let me make a declarative statement to you. You get nothing in this life that has any goodness to it unless God gives it to you. I don't care if, if a person has worked hard and earned what they think they have a right to, or if somebody's stolen it, it's not good. And no, remember this too, no unsafe person has anything good in them, except sometimes God gives him good things, as Romans 7 says, to draw them to him. It's just, just a unilateral, unilateral blessing from God. And I believe people can see that, especially if they work with you or know your friendship closely associated with you. They'll know if you have a goodness about you. Faith, convictions of the truth. Are you a truthful person? Do you, uh, that's just what faith is. It's a conviction of truth and trusting God for it. Meekness, 
That meekness is not weakness. Meekness is just humility of spirit. You don't have to defend yourself all the time. You can agree with somebody else. You can give people the understanding that you're not an argumentative person, that you're not ready for a fight every time, that sometimes other people just really are correct. And maybe if you shut your mouth, you can learn something. Maybe if you don't get offended and let people know that, give them peace of your mind, which you can't spare in many cases, you can learn something. But no, have that meekness about you, that humility about you that only comes from God. You can't do that in the natural. I give you that. But you can if you let God, the Holy Spirit, give you meekness in your life and temperance. That just simply means self-control. You say, well, I have a short temper and I just can't control it. That's a lie. You can. You can control. God has given us self-control, temperance, and things. In uh, Galatians 5, verse 24, it says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Have you crucified the flesh? You can't do that again without the help of the Holy Spirit. But when you start doing that, you walk with walk with the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, as we're encouraged to do. In fact, if you're a God, you should be walking in the Spirit all the time. And finally, in verse 25, as we close this thinking, if we live in the Spirit, that means God, the Holy Spirit there. If we live in God, the Holy Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That means walk in the Holy Spirit. I pray that something said will be refresher for you or be something fresh that you haven't heard. But if you'll put it into practice, you will thank God that you chose this teaching of Rafa, that through this ministry you could learn wonderful truths. And as you exercise these, you will be a stronger, more peaceful witness, sold out, committed death the flesh, person for the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you until we come again and meet again either in live seminars or in another one of our teachings. Be blessed in Jesus' name.